Woo, that three-headed backcourt at Baylor is no more. Keontae George is off to the NBA. Adam Flagler, who knows? But LJ Cryer, you know where he's going? To the Houston Cougars. He's staying in the Big 12, baby. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked on College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. Oh yes, even in the offseason, we're with you five days a week. I'm Isaac Shade. Joining me right now, the host of Locked on Cougs, our guy Parker Ainsworth at Painsworth 512. That was my Georgia accent coming out right there <laughs> on those numbers. Parker, uh, I know you are happy right now getting some LJ Cryer into the fold. But also, my friend, you are so close to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> Friends, if you're listening in right now, would you do my do me a solid, do Parker a solid, go subscribe to Locked on Cougs right now. 967 YouTube subscribers as of this recording. He needs 33 more. My hope is that by the time this even posts that he's already over 1,000. Parker, congrats <laughs> and welcome in to the show. So, Parker. Let's start right there with LJ Cryer. This, to me, is the most important transfer commitment so far uh, because when you've got somebody like Marcus Sasser who's going to be stepping out, you got to replace him in a big-time way. And I know they're different players, but boy, what a splash this is for Kelvin Sampson. Yeah, they're different players in that LJ Cryer actually shoots a better three-point percentage. <laughs> <laughs> like, like how, how is that your replacement? Um no, I think it's great to see a kid come back home, too. So he grew up in Katy, which is a suburb of Houston. Uh, and when he graduated high school, he was actually uh, – he had just under 4,000 points in high school. He was the all-time uh, area public high school scoring uh, record. Uh, he He's a true multi-level, multi-talented scorer. Um, you know, and I guess I saw him enter the portal, and I was like, man, like, He's a Houston <laughs> kid. Like, how great would that be? And, uh, you know, I, I just kind of thought it was a pipe dream. And sure enough, he's coming back home. Um, the crossovers with his games are interesting because it does overlap with Sasser a lot, like you mentioned, right? He does shoot the three ball well off the bounce. He is moving all the time off screens and stuff like that. Um, he played with some very talented guards you mentioned there in Baylor. Sasser <laughs> had a pretty talented backcourt in Houston. There's a lot of crossover here. Absolutely, there is. Like, it, it, it's great uh, for you guys. Obviously, it stings for Baylor, but hey, what are you going to do? And I, I love to see Cryer coming over. Now, Parker, as we look at this, he's coming into his senior year, but folks, keep in mind, this is the class, the last class coming through that has that extra year of COVID eligibility. So it is his senior year, but technically, we could see LJ Cryer in a Houston Cougars uniform for two years. Parker, is, is there any world in which you see that happening? You know, I, I think it probably depends on how well next season goes for him individually. Um, he is going to, you know, undoubtedly do the thing where he tests waters each and every offseason um, because that's what kind of Kelvin Sampson asks his guys to do. Um, having been a pro coach, he looks at like that as a very valuable process for the maturation of guys. Um, but truthfully, I could see, you know, he is a 6-1 shooting guard. I could see them saying, eh, it's better to stay back and, and keep, continue to work on this, that, the other thing, and, and get that second year. It's it's it, NIL money's a big deal. It's funny you mentioned that because um, Lincoln Cougs, is the, everyone's got their own collector for whatever, but they got Marcus Sasser up to where he was making like $550,000. I was like, 
you know, I, if you were to be a G League guy, I don't know if you quite make that kind of scratch. <laughs> so I, I could see that being enticing enough for a hometown kid to play in front of his family every night and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed for both years. I, I guess it's my way to say that. Yes, absolutely. And and listen, Cryer's not the only guard coming into this team, man. Kelvin Sampson and guards, it's just a thing that goes together like Isaac Shaden hot wings, which is my favorite food. <laughs> not that that goes together to anyone else but me, but I love it. <laughs> if you love me, send me some wings, folks. Um, But, but Houston is also bringing in Damian Dunn from Temple. And Parker, I mean, it's just like any of these guys you can bring in is massive and great. What are you seeing out of Damian Dunn that excites you to have him in the fold? Well, he's a as a six five guy, a little bit longer, um, and and I like his game because he gets the free throw line a lot. He is he can shoot the three ball well, and I'm going to say he shoots at like almost thirty five percent from behind the arc. But he is getting. I mean, he had like seven or eight double digit free throw games last year. Um, he is really really good at getting the foul line because he's getting downhill. And frankly, you know, if you're going to have Cryer behind the arc and if you're going to have we'll talk at some point, I'm sure about big guys down low, a little bit less experienced, but there's going to be a lot of bodies in the lane. If you have a guy that knows how to take that contact and get the free throw on, it kind of adds a layer to how you score. It's also nice. I, I understand it's like American Athletic Conference uh, competition, but he's got real experience under his belt. Um, you know, Temple is one of four teams that beat Houston last year. Uh, they were pretty strong. <laughs> um, and so at least maybe I'm being a little biased there. I think they are. Um, and so, you know, he's he's got some pedigree under him where you've got a lot of guys in the Houston roster next season. They'll be new or young or ha- don't have a whole lot of real minutes under their belt. Uh, he's coming in. I assume he'll start uh, and at that you know third guard uh, spot that Houston kind of runs. And you know he just adds a different dimension. He and Shed and Cryer are all very different scores that other teams have to account for. And you just mentioned Mr. Jamal Shed, and let's talk about him because right now he is in the NBA draft, not officially. He's got all that opportunity to come back. He just talked about how Coach Sampson wants his guys to go test because it's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you learn from the guys you want to be your employers? Hey, what do I got to do better to come be employed by you? I'm jumping on that opportunity. So, Parker, as you look at this, what do you think Jamal Shedd will learn from NBA personnel? And ultimately, I'm going to tie you down, and I want to know, is Jamal Shedd a Houston Cougar next season? (laughs) Well, I think he's Houston Cougar because – Truthfully, uh, if if he's going to play at that level, he's got to have some more of a more of a jump shot. Right. I, I think if you remember, like the Memphis uh, game winner, I guess, was a pull up from like 17 or 18 feet away. Um, but that is not typically his game. Right. There's a reason Memphis played him to that. He's much more of a downhill. I call him a running back playing basketball because the way he just like ducks his head and attacks the rim kind of with reckless abandon. And there'll be pro teams that love that. But there won't be pro teams that love the, uh, you know, up and down three point shooting, right? For a guy that's as short as he is, six foot, six one, uh, kind of a, again, bowling ball, doesn't have super long arms. Uh, people get like Marcus was six three, which isn't huge, but he has a six seven, six eight wingspan, right? right? So like, it's a whole different deal. Um, Jamal doesn't have that. Jamal has a lot of things he's really good at. He can get in your jersey and cover from 94 feet, but he needs to add some sort of a shooting element to his game. I'm sure they're going to work with him on like here, you know, we want to see you on movement or we see you on the bounce or whatever, but I would imagine some way to add shooting to his game to go to the next level. And I think he gets paid to play pro basketball at some point. I just don't know if it's at the NBA pro level, but I think he does get paid to play pro basketball after he leaves Houston. He's a, he's a very talented basketball player that someone's going to want on the roster. 
Yeah. Hey, listen, go see the world, my friend. No reason not to. And with that height, the the shorter height of both he and Cryer makes all the more sense what you said about Dunn slotting in as that third guard. But then, Parker, we also got Terrence Arsenault coming up, right? Like, if Shed's back, who, by the way, Shed could have multiple years more to play. Dunn could have multiple years to play. Arsenault's just coming off his freshman year. This backcourt could be together for a minute. What are you seeing out of Terrence Arsenault, and how could he force his way into this starting lineup, or could he? Well, Arsenault's one that, frankly, I think a lot of people are holding their breath on because the big phrase with him is potential, right? Um, he was a five-star kid at a high school at 6'5", 195, he is long-armed. But at the high school level, he was playing more like a power forward. And that's just the, the nature of what he was. And they were a state championship uh, team two, two years in a row at Beaumont United. I, I mean, I don't mean to say like they were doing him wrong. They were winning basketball <laughs> games and doing right. it. But he is transitioning into being a guard in a way that the potential is there. Draft people see it. Um, and it's just, you know, when does he go? I, I think that as he continues to work his way into the Houston rotation, Next season, you'll see him. Like I said, I think he's the first guard off the bench. Um, he showed a lot of growth this season in his on-ball defense. Um, certainly in the assignments he was being given in on-ball defense, too, by the end of the year. Uh, people, you know, everyone talked about when Marcus went down. Arsenal was the guy they put in his place, right, to start the second half when they went down right away or in that uh, American Athletic Conference title game. He was the guy that started for him. Right. And I think that's because Samson trusts him on the ball defensively a lot. We'll make up the offense, right? That's always Sam. We'll figure <laughs> it out. But you got to be able to stop them from scoring to win basketball games. And I I would like to see him as the first guy off the bench again. Um, I wonder if you could almost have he and Dunn on the floor at the same time and either have two big guards. You can say that or, would be some more height in that backcourt for sure. I'd say yeah. some a couple of big guards, or do you go like uber small and have four guards out there? Um, I because again, he's got the playing experience from his his AAU club days of being more of a, a power forward type guy. Um, I, I don't I think Arsenal is a at least uh, he's he's here at least one more year. I could see him even being around two more. Um, before going pro, but I, I bet if he has a big sophomore year, that might be the last we see of him because uh, pros seem to really like him. He's projected to be a late second round by some people this year. I would love to see a lineup with all four of those guards together <laughs> around somebody just wreaking havoc, both offensively and defensively. I need that, Parker. Why don't you get in Kelvin's ear and tell him we all need to see that happen? The question is, who is going to be that big guy replacing Jairus Walker in the middle? We'll get into that in just a second, as well as Houston's transition from the AAC to the Big 12. That's where LJ Cryer comes in. We'll do that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. You might want to go bet on the Astros, but that would be silly because it's all about the Braves who beat them in the World Series two years ago. I know the Astros won last year, but deal with it. Parker, don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. 
Parker, that's why I wanted to make you stick around for the, the fanboy read. I need <laughs> Try to not to laugh into <laughs> your read. <laughs> no, I want you to. I want to be the thorn in your side. So, Parker, let, let's talk about that. Jairus Walker, what a fun basketball player he was to watch this entire past year. But I, I, lo- I love his forthrightness, right? Like, immediately in the aftermath of the, the loss, unfortunately, he's just like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> like, See ya. I, I, like, I love it. But, uh, what, what a tall order this is to replace that young man. How does Kelvin Sampson do it? Well, I think Sampson's done a couple things right on this. One, he was quick to tell fans, like, you know, in the growth of this program, you're going to become a program that has one and done kids. Right. That's just, then, I mean, you know that from your time covering college basketball across the country with Blue that's Bloods true. and stuff like that. Like, that's just the nature of it is that you're going to have, if you're going to be a, a developed program, you're going to have kids that come for one year and go to the NBA because they're ready. And Jairus was always that guy. Um, his candor after the game was was kind of funny in hindsight. But <laughs> as far as what happens otherwise, um, I think it's interesting that the guy that Houston played at center last year, Juwan Roberts, is kind of a hybrid 4-5. There'd be moments where, you know, Jairus was having freshman moments or, or Kelvin sure thought he was anyway. And they'd move <laughs> Juwan over to the four and play other guys at that five spot. And so I could see Houston running uh, Jawan Roberts and Javier Francis out there. Javier was a young sophomore last year that kind of there were moments where it's like he's hyper efficient. He's getting like, you know, eight points and four blocks in 11 minutes or like something because he also had three fouls. Right. Like <laughs> he, He's working on those kinds of things as a young sophomore last year. Um, but I could see the, those two as the starting two guys next year. Um, and then they brought in in their 2023 high school class three different power forward center types and Jojo Tugler, who's a Houston area kid, uh, said late. Right? What's yeah, Cy falls. Yeah. Uh, said late is a big, he actually uh, came in in December and it used the spring as his quote redshirt year to be with the team. Yeah. Um, he's like a big six ten, looks like a football player across his <laughs> chest and shoulders. And then they have a kid who looks like the exact opposite and a senior coming out of uh California named Jacob McFarland. Um, he's like a 6'10 bean pole. And some rotation of those guys I could see filling in some too. But the truth is, is they're really young because even Javier, as the five man, if he starts, had very limited minutes last year as a sophomore. And so you're relying heavily on Juwan Roberts, who single handedly won like the two lane games and stuff like that for them. I don't mean he say he can't do it, right. but that's a lot of uh, you know importance you're placing on one guy who I like a lot. seems like a very personal guy. But if we're going to be honest, he played really poorly in the Sweet 16 game they lost, right? Like, like, like people play bad. They're allowed to play bad, but that, he played bad in the game they lost in that end of the season. And so I think there are people that are a little bit weary about that. People look in the transfer portal. Um, do, you, do you go get another guy? They only have one more roster spot, and I don't know if you go get that other guy in the roster um, or if you just kind of roll with the dice you got. But I, I, it's going to be a young forward group for sure. And Juwan Roberts is the headliner. And so we're hoping for a big year out of him. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully out of those three freshmen coming in, somebody can at least provide just a little boost, a little help there. Well, uh, Parker, we've had some laughs back and forth uh, throughout this off season because I did not include Houston in my way too early top 10, <laughs> but uh, I mean, frankly, that's because Walker's gone. Mark's gone. Sasser's gone. Like it's just what it is. But man, with LJ Cryer coming in, with Damian Dunn coming in, I've bumped them up into my top 10 now. And I think the question that we still need to answer, though, is how do they adjust or is there an adjustment period to moving into the Big 12 this upcoming season? 
Well, I think you got a couple things in play here. Obviously, Cryer comes in. He he had minimal minutes on that Baylor team that won it all, but he does have national championship ring to his name. Uh, he ironically played four minutes in the game they beat Houston the Final Four that year. Actually, <laughs> you didn't um, have to bring it up. <laughs> no, it was it was a kind of game where everyone played it, but he got a few minutes in that one. Um, but you have him coming in, and then obviously Coach Sampson, the big piece here, right? Is he coached Oklahoma for a long time, right. and he That's coached right. at Indiana for a while. Like right. he and he coached at Washington. He understands Power Five basketball understands high level basketball has his uh you know pedigree from oklahoma for sure and they were really really talented while he was there and uh you're hoping that all those things kind of fit together i'm looking to see if we see any impact out of a guy that actually transferred last year and redshirted and i don't know how much he'll play isaac his name is malik wilson he's a 6-3 guy came in from texas tech he left when beard left tech um and you know he is Six three and at like the red and white scrimmage or what? Like he jumps out of the gym, wow. and Samson talks all the time about how he's the best defender on the team. He just he he doesn't fit in offensively, and so he he was redshirted while you had Marcus and Jamal and Tremont and all sure. those guys. I mean, pretty talented guys, yeah. right? Um, I don't know if Malik Wilson gets on the floor a whole lot. I, it sounds like the offensive game is still fairly limited, and who knows, right? But just having a guy that saw Big Twelve basketball with the run Tech had while he was there. Right. Like, is that another guy that like adds some experience to the fold that you think, you know, you got a bunch of young guys, uh, you know, Manuel Sharp and Terrence Arsenal are both just sophomores, but they kind of understand, hey, this is how Big 12 basketball has to be played. Never mind the fact that they also like went into Virginia and beat Virginia a year ago or, or what? Like they, they have played good basketball teams. That's right. They, they lost the game. They're up by, by, on Alabama by 15. Right. Like, like they, they, they have showed throughout the course of Samson's tenure that they can be a very good basketball team. Um, some people are saying this crier move might put them over the top in the big 12. I'm not quite jumping that far. It seems like it's Kansas's <laughs> conference to lose to me because it, it has been that for like, I'm 32 <laughs> exactly. and yeah, I'm about to say it's my whole life. <laughs> but uh I, I will say that I think they've got a, a really good chance and, you know, guards won in March and they've got really good guards, Isaac. They do. They really do. And I, I'm excited to see that. I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the Big 12 runs through Kansas. That's just, that's, that's not, a, I don't care who's on that roster. If the guy on the sideline is Bill Self and he just said last week that he will be back, then I, I got to roll with Kansas. But there's no reason to me, especially with what Coach Sampson's already brought in, to not think that, that Houston's going to be right there at the top of that thing, competing for a, a Big 12 title right out of the gate here. And so be interesting to see. Parker, we'll see what continues to happen with the NBA draft movement. Uh, we expect Jamal Shedd to be back, but that would be a storyline for sure if he doesn't. <laughs> Brother, we are so grateful for your time. Get over that 1,000 mark, and uh, we'll stay up to date on what's going on with the Houston Cougars roster. Folks, make sure you follow Parker on Twitter at Painsworth 512 and go subscribe to Locked on Cougs. We are joined now on Locked On College Basketball by our guy, John Neighbors, the host of Locked On Arkansas. We're calling the hogs little woo pig suey action going on. And John, in some ways, this has just been a frustrating basketball season for the Razorbacks, for Eric Musselman and crew. Began the year preseason number 10, beat eventual national runner-up San Diego State, Finished the regular season, though, 19 and 12, 8 and 10 in the SEC. And frankly, that's in large part 
to Nick Smith Jr.'s injuries, to Trayvon Brazil missing a vast majority of the season due to injury. And let's, let's just be honest, when you don't have personnel you're banking on, specifically with Nick Smith, to be the central focus of a team, that's going to change the way stuff goes. But John, some redemption at the end of this thing, beating Illinois in the first round and knocking off one seed Kansas Jayhawks before falling to eventual national champion UConn. What a kind of juggernaut they were rolling through the tournament. Just in, in quick summary, all of that kind of roller coaster, what was this year for the Hogs? It was one of the weirdest ones I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of almost hard to describe in, in words because of how weird it was. Because yeah, you laid it out there. It, it was at least in the end, at the end result, I wouldn't say that Razorback fans were 100% like, heck yeah, what an amazing year. But due to how crazy it was and up and down it was to finish in the Sweet 16 by beating Kansas and then losing to eventual champion UConn, it became a year where it was like, man, of all the crap they had to deal with, with injuries <laughs> and the, the problems that they dealt with and the losses that they had and the frustrations they had, for them to end in the Sweet 16 – Honestly, you couldn't ask for anything better than that. And in fact, before the season even started, even though they were a preseason top 10 team, most people would have said, hey, if you get to the second weekend, that'll be a good year. You know, it'll be great if they go further, but it'll be a good year. So I think it shows you how much Razorback fans actually only care. Like they're a basketball program that has a lot of history and basketball programs with history understand who cares about the regular season, right. conference champions, or where you place, because they were the 10 seed in the SEC. Who cares? What people remember is the NCAA March uh, tournament in March Madness, and Arkansas was a Sweet 16 team, and they went just as far in the tournament as a team like Bama or Tennessee, who, you know, especially with Bama, who are the most dominant people. Yeah. So I think that even though it was weird, wacky, crazy, annoying, <laughs> frustrating, all of that, I think Razorback fans and everybody were, were pretty pleased with the way it ended up because it could have been a lot worse. Well, and, and after that stretch of no Sweet 16 since 1996, all of a sudden, it's a, a Sweet 16 three-peat, John. Like, Coach Muss has this thing going. I want to get as many muscleman shirt-off moments as I can handle coming out of Bud Walton Arena. You love that. So, as, as we look towards the offseason now, I think uh, we, we got to look first at what's going out before we celebrate some news coming in. Right now, as we record this, Nick Smith Jr. seems to be fully in the draft, as does Ricky Council. I expect, I'm curious if you do as well, that we'll hear the same about Anthony Black at any point who projects to be one of the highest college students taken in this year's NBA draft. Frankly, going above Nick Smith Jr. now was, in my opinion, was given that opportunity because of the injuries to Smith. Is that kind of how you see this playing out? Yeah, and it's like it's so funny. The longer that Anthony Black waits, it's more like some Razorback fans start getting hope. He's like, well, maybe he's coming back. He's not coming back. Like, <laughs> he's not coming back. Like, That's right. In fact, if he did come back, I'd almost say no. I don't want you here <laughs> because you need to go to the NBA. But I think that it's it's incredible to see. And speaking about Anthony Black, like the reason he's going to go is because you said it. It's like he's going to be a top draft pick. And if there was ever a player that deserved it, you know, you mentioned Nick Smith and the injuries he dealt with. And uh, obviously uh, Jordan Walsh still kind of waiting on him and because right. uh, he was a McDonald's All-American. But the, the guy that played every game and played nearly every minute of every game and who was so hurt down the stretch, right? he had bad leg issues because he couldn't jump. And so, you know, it, it was never a great shooter as it is, but that's why it's free throw uh, struggles. That's uh, all of that came into play. So 
Uh, Anthony Black was just, you know, he's going to be one of the favorite players for Razorback fans just because of his warrior mentality. I mean, how many times you see a six, seven point guard and him putting it together the way he did each and every game, you, you got to respect and appreciate him. So he's gone. Uh, the, the ones that people are really waiting on is Debo Davis entered into the NBA draft, right. but he says that he's still retaining his eligibility to come back. So uh, I at first thought I was like, OK, well, he'll still come back. But the more time's gone on, I'm like, you know what? He, he might be done. You know, three straight years, as you mentioned, of Sweet 16 play, which is, you know, showing that, uh, you know, Muss is one of the best in the country and Arkansas is a program that you can do it at. All that, that stuff to come together. Maybe Devo's just like, hey, three years, I gave it my all, but I'm ready to take that next step. I'm ready to get out of there. So I could see that happening. But the way that Muss has managed rosters and, and done things, which I know we'll talk about with the portal and, uh, being able to to get guys in good position to get drafted and all that, uh, it, it's hard not to think that no matter what happens or no matter who comes in, uh, it's going to work out because to me, the most important player that you needed to have on this roster realistically on this roster next year was Trevin Brazil. And he was the one that said from the get go, he's like, as soon as the season, he's like, I'm coming back. And I feel like getting him back uh, was just, uh, th that's where the key piece is going to be because of how good he is and, and the game that he brings. So uh, with him coming back, I think that's going to appeal to some guys not only on the current roster to come back, but also some transfers to say, hey, I'd love to play with that guy. He, he seems to have a lot going for him. So uh, I think right now, at least at the time of the recording of this podcast, it's going about how I expected mm. and how I was hoping for. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that there's still a few players we're waiting on to see what their decision will be. John, if you had to make a call right now on Devo Davis, because this is one of the questions I wanted to ask you, is he back in Fayetteville next year or not? Right now, gut feeling, no no reason to believe anything otherwise. Yeah. I, I, I think he's back. I do. I think he comes back. I, he loves playing with Eric Musselman, and they love each other. Like They are, they are peas in the pod. <laughs> and I think just because of NIL and him being an in-state kid and uh, knowing that, uh, how, how he's gotten better each and every year, I think he goes to the NBA draft or combine or whatever, and he gets told, hey, these are things you need to work on, and then he comes back and he works on them. So – if I had a, if I had to say, I'd say probably he does come back, and if he does, uh, that's again, just, you need experience, you need continuity, and he's uh, another huge major key piece because you saw what he did in the tournament, you saw the leadership that he provided, and Arkansas they have that, but they're going to need it uh, in a major way, and I think Devo would be the guy to provide it. Boy, that would be great to have him back in a Razorback uniform next year. Hopefully, Trayvon Brazil can get back. What a year he was having before that injury. Would love to have him uh, really up and going in time to make a, a very key contribution to next year's squad, which will not include Mikel Mitchell. But the big news, one of the biggest transfer portal uh commitments we've had to this point is Tremont Mark is coming over from Houston and let's not also forget Keon Menafield coming from Washington now John two guards two point guards coming in uh, we know muscle take them in spades in the backcourt how do you see both of these young men fitting in to the squad which I know again isn't perfectly formed yet for next year so I'm asking you to forecast ahead without too much knowledge but but how do you see them as part of next year's team well, starting with Mark, to me, just watching him and seeing the type of player he is, he's the quintessential Eric Musselman player where he is good at offense. Like He's not elite. He's not great. He, he's averaged 10 points a game. He gets five, six rebounds a game, which is good for a guard. 
you know, he doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. He doesn't shoot at the high clip. I mean, I think he hits 32, 33% from three. He's a 77% free throw shooter. It's like, he's not just an elite offensive player, but what he does have is he can do offense. It's his defense. That's going to be the difference maker and why must wanted this guy so much. Because we know Muss is about defense, and the guards you you will not play for Muss if he can't play defense. You know <laughs> Jalen Graham, another player that's coming back for Arkansas. I think he's got a lot of upside, and you know he could be a good player. But the problem was, is as good of his offense was, he couldn't play defense, and that's why he didn't play much. So by getting a player like Mark, not only do you have an experienced dude on, he was on the number one team in the country throughout the most of the year at Houston. Uh, he's played at a high level. He played against high quality opponents. I think again, he's just he's just the perfect player for what Arkansas is going to need defensively and getting out of them. And for Minifield, uh, I didn't. I'll be honest, I haven't watched much Washington basketball. Like it's not something I just. <laughs> Why broke would down. you? Honestly. I know it's like it's not it's not on my uh, it's not on my uh, YouTube TV or anything like that. But uh, what what I did do is kind of once he committed to Arkansas, and I dove into it a little bit more. And what I really like about him, and this is where I think it's this is much just putting and connecting dots. First off, he's got great handles. He, he's a very good handling. He does, and he doesn't turn it over with his handles. He's, I think, his assist to turnover ratio is about one point eight, which is great for a point guard. So he doesn't turn the ball over a lot, and he has great handles. But again, goes back to one thing: he's not a great shooter. Maybe not, maybe the best offensive player. But the one thing that I've noticed, and if you see his highlights and what he's really good at, is driving and lobbing, driving and lobbing. And the reason that Arkansas needs someone like that is because just talked about Trevin Brazil. The dude is such a freak athlete at 6'9", 6'10", and, and has such a long wingspan, can, and can, he's got it all. And when it comes to that part of the game, that's something that when Brazil was healthy in the early part of the year, so much the offense was helped by that, by him just being able to – somebody driving, whether it's Anthony Black or Devo or whoever, drive in, lob it up, drive in, lob it up, because it's hard to stop. So that's why I believe that Mus real Minifield was there for several reasons, but – Seeing that, that that's a huge part of his game and he's really good at it too, I think that that's just more like, hey, you can do more, but we want you and Brazil to be the two guys that have a lot of assists and a lot of dunks and a lot of layups and uh, a lot of the offense because they feel like it's going to be a tough thing to stop. Okay, cannot wait to see how this Arkansas Razorbacks roster continues to come together ahead of next season. Will it be a fourth straight second weekend NCAA tournament team? We will watch for that, certainly. Folks, make sure you check out Locked on Razorbacks. Check out our guide, John Neighbors, at Neighbors on the Twitter machine. John, thanks so much for joining us. Can't wait to see what else happens this offseason. Absolutely. Can't wait till next season already, man. Appreciate it. That's it for today's episode of Locked on College Basketball. Thanks so much for joining me and for joining my guest, Parker Ainsworth, John Neighbors. Once again, please make sure you go check out both those guys and their great work for Houston and Arkansas. More great stuff coming up tomorrow. More transfer portal news, more all sorts of all of it. That's what we're doing right now. That's where we're at. It's a lot of fun to see who's going where. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. We are closing in on 800 YouTube subscribers. Man, we're getting right there. Smash the like button, comment on the show. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, peace. Peace.